gift of love could I offer to a king? What weight or worth could be held within my offering? When he alone is worthy, a glorious song is inscribed upon my heart this treasure held in an alabaster jar i break to bring him all the glory praise god from whom all Sacrifice could be equal to his own. The cross of Christ has declared that there is not I owe. Yet I know I owe him more. i
Okay, good. It's good to have you with us this morning. Welcome to the gathering of Genesis Church. And I'm Jeff. I'm the senior pastor here. And uh, for all of you that have been doing so for some time, you're familiar with the routine. But we have both a website presence for this broadcast as well as Facebook. Um, many of you have shifted over to Facebook, and that's great. What's missing there sometimes is some of the content that we play, in particular videos. Um, as hard as we work to not have this happen, copyright issues occur, and Facebook will pull that feed down and it will go dark. So I just want you to know, if at any time you find our service not playing or just black on Facebook, there's a reason for it. What you need to do is go over to the website, okay? So I think we're displaying that slide for you uh, to the right of me here. Um, here's our Facebook address as well as our website address. And you can go to the home page of the website and just click uh, on Watch Here, and you'll be there. The next thing I'd like to bring to your attention is uh, for those of you that would like to donate. And thank you to all of those that are regular in your donations, your tithes, your offerings. Thank you very much because it's made such a difference, especially during this time of pandemic, of us being able to keep up with the various expenses that we have because many of those expenses continue even though we're not meeting live, all right? They haven't gone away. And thank you very much for your giving. For those of you that have been receiving and being blessed by this broadcast, would you consider giving an offering, being part of the regular donations to do that? Also, you can go to the website and do that. Right on the homepage, lower right-hand corner, uh, the slide uh, here that we're showing you will uh, show you the, the part of the page that you need to go to, lower right-hand corner of the page, click on Donate, and follow the instructions there. Another way that you can be a part of donating and giving to this ministry is by texting. Text the word GIVE. Here it is right over my shoulder here. The word GIVE. Text that word GIVE to this phone number, 720-730-8510. Again, text the word GIVE to 720 720- 7308510 Hey a huge thank you to everybody who contributed last week uh, actually over the past 2 weeks to us acquiring our computer we were at the end of a lease we had a buyout um, on that computer of uh, roughly $800 and uh, the contributions came in sufficient for us to on this past Monday call the lender and say we're going to keep the computer we want to buy it, and we paid them over the phone and took care of it. So it's all done. The computer's ours. It's all finished. Thank you so much, every one of you. And for those of you that missed that opportunity, stay tuned. There'll be additional. And uh, do consider being a part, through your giving, of this great message that you are listening to. Um, well, that's going to do it for the announcements. I want to introduce this song to you. It's different. This is the first time we've ever used this song. It's from Hillsong. Now, we've already checked with Hillsong and also with the providers, and it is not copyrighted. In fact, Hillsong removed the copyright uh, from about a dozen of their videos expressly for the purpose of live streaming so that churches like ours could use it. So shout out to Hillsong in Australia and to their media people and their management there and their leadership. Thank you very much for doing that. This comes from Hillsong. It's called No One But You. I, I love the words of this. It's such a beautiful setup for our message this morning. Let me uh, just share with you real quickly. Who can melt 
the hardest heart and speak life into my soul? Who can spin the world around and hold me ever close? Who can search the depths of me and love me to the core? Who controls the world I see and walks me through it all? No one but you. How perfect of a song to continue our series on our hope is his presence.
you enjoyed that song we have been talking about the presence of Jesus it, it, we're coming to the end of our series called our hope and today we're going to talk about being face to face just as a quick review we've um, been in the book of first Thessalonians in the fourth chapter looking at a very famous passage about the return of the Lord and the word for coming or return used there in the Greek is parousia or parousia. And this Greek word has been translated by almost all modern translations as coming, the coming of the Lord. But the actual meaning of it is presence, the presence, just the right now presence of the Lord. And so what we've really attempted to do in our previous couple of lessons is show you how that the presence of the Lord is now, and it's always with you, he's always with you, and it's not something that we have to go do. We don't have to go get the Lord. We don't have to come into his gates as though they were distant. Now, I know the, the Psalms deals, in fact, mentions that we should come into his gates with thanksgiving. But you have to keep in mind that was before the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ when the presence of the Holy Spirit did not live within people. Not commonly. There were a few that he came upon, kings and priests and prophets and so forth, but the Holy Spirit did not live in people through a new birth experience as he does today. And so we, we want to dispel this idea that God is distant. We want to dispel this idea that we have to do something do-it-yourself religion, do-it-yourself obedience to, to get God to come to us. No, we are immediately in the presence of the Lord each and every day when we wake. Our text for today is found in Psalm 105 and verse 4. Let's look together. Psalm 105 and verse 4. Seek and deeply long for the Lord and his strength his power and his might. Seek, now I want to underscore that word seek because it, the meaning of it has changed in our, in our post the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Seek and deeply long for his face and his presence continually. Look at the tie. Look at the relationship between his face and his presence. Again, I want to talk to you about being face-to-face -face with the Lord. First, a, a definition of uh, being face-to-face. -face. Uh, we might know what that means, but uh, the word just presence, what does that mean? Well, Webster says, number one, it means being in company near or being face-to-face -face with somebody. Secondly, the word present means to approach face-to-face or the nearness of a great personage. Number three, the state of being in view. Now, even though we are not in view of the Lord physically, we can be face to face with him. 
And this is one of the most difficult things in our journey of faith to understand and to appreciate about our faith and about a relationship with the Lord. Because it's not tangible, because we can't touch it, because we're not actually literally standing before Jesus and seeing him with our physical eyes face to face, it's difficult for some people, it's difficult for most of us to relate to the, quote, presence of the Lord. We talk about the presence of the Lord a lot. We talk about being with Jesus, and Jesus lives in me a lot. But what does that really mean? And experientially, how are we experiencing that on a day-to-day basis? How are you experiencing the presence of the Lord? If you were to say, I'm in the presence of God, I'm, I'm in the presence of Jesus, what would you mean? Is that a feeling? Is that an awareness? Is that a scripture that you're quoting? Is that, oh, an anointing that you're feeling in the room? Is that that good things are happening? There seems to be favorable things going on in your life, and so you attribute that to the, quote, presence of the Lord? Well, all of those things are good in and of themselves, but none of them equal the presence of God. Let's turn to the scripture, of which I'm going to have many today. And I'm going to need my media team to really be on the ball here because I'm going to move through these. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 8. Let's go all the way back to the beginning and look at what was the presence of the Lord and how it was referred to. And they, verse 8, Genesis chapter 3, and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God walking among the trees. Now notice, the Lord God came walking. God pursues us. God's posture towards humanity is to pursue them. He's not separate. He's not distant. God pursues us. And he came walking in the cool of the day, as was the custom and habit of the Lord in his visitation with Adam and Eve. And they had disobeyed, they had fallen. And it says that Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of God among the trees. Now, we know from reading in that passage that God called out, Adam, where are you? As if he didn't know where they were. See, referring to the human element of looking for, that that the presence of God is a geographical location. We should never associate the presence of God with a geographical location. All of you that are here today, when we leave this building, the presence of God goes with us. Okay? The presence of God does not dwell in buildings. He has a new tabernacle. He has a new home. He has a new address. And you're that address. But here in Genesis, because of sin, which brings shame and guilt and a sense of distance from the Lord, although the Lord wasn't distant. They hid from the, quote, presence of the Lord. Then let's move on to Psalms, the Psalm 27 and verse 4. One thing I have asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. There's that connection again between uh, the face and sight and presence to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. There's something about God's presence that causes us to look into his face. I want you to get that. 
There's something about God's presence that brings you into proximity where you are literally just looking into his face, and yet you're not seeing him with your tangible eyes. What is that about? Psalm 105 and verse 4, our text, seek and deeply long for the Lord in his strength, his power and his might. Seek and deeply long for his face and his presence continually. Now, it is a good thing to be hungry for God, to be passionate about the things of God and about the Scripture. However, I want to point something out that prior to the coming of Christ, prior to his crucifixion, prior to his resurrection, the standard mode of operation was to seek God because God was out there. We had to bring God here. We had to seek him and come into his presence. We had to enter his gates through things we did. Now, that has translate, that's translated over into modern evangelicalism as a list of behaviors and obedience and do-it-yourself religion that has us all caught up in these efforts to get God to come to us, to get God's presence to be real in our midst. That is such a blemish on the teaching of the church. That is such a blemish on modern evangelicalism. And I'm taking this series to point it out and say to you, that is not the truth of the New Testament. That is not the truth of the gospel. That is not the reality post the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Everything changed after Jesus died and rose again. Everything changed in the universe. Everything changed. And one of the precious things that changed is his presence. His presence didn't change, but our awareness, our access to his presence changed. His presence didn't change, but our ability to be in, to be face-to-face -face with his presence changed. Why? Because Jesus Christ died for our sin. He took our sin, and he bore it. And he condemned sin in the flesh and was crucified. And then he rose again and forever changed the entire universe and God's presence for us. It didn't change God's mind. God's not the one that needed to change. God's not the one that needed to be brought near. We needed to have all the scales removed. We needed to have the sin removed. We needed to have the distance and the shame and the, all of that removed that came through Adam and Eve and their fall. We needed to have that removed so that we could have a fresh awareness and revelation of the presence of God. One more, Psalm 139 and verse 7. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? Here, the psalmist is just saying what's a truth of the realm of the spirit. You can't hide from God. There's nowhere you can go to get away from God. Well, so now if that's true, why do we see him as out over there? Why do we see him as behind gates, sitting on a throne? And we peons are out here. And if you do the right list of things, if you sing loud enough, if you sing the right songs, if you, you know, so evangelicalism goes, then you can enter his gates. 
then his favor will be upon you. Then you'll be able to experience his presence. But if you don't, his presence won't be available to you. What a shameful theology that we have built about the presence of the Lord. Well, let's look at what's changed. Real quickly, a couple of scriptures. Let's look at what has changed. Jeff, help me out here. Post these scriptures for me. This is, this is the Pauline gospel. This is the good news Jesus said or announced and said that his church would preach. All right? Post his resurrection. Here we go. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 16. Do you not know that you are God's temple? And that God's spirit dwells in you. He's not somewhere else. He's not distant. God's presence isn't out there. I don't have to get into God's presence. I am immediately now in his presence because he lives within me. Now, do I do things? Do I act in certain ways? Do I have attitudes? Do I hold on to stinking thinking? Unrenewed thoughts in my mind? that tend to put up a wall to his presence, that tend to shield, if you will, his presence? Well, of course. Yes, we do all the time. But now I want you to, to notice something. that That's not a location. That's not a geographical location or distance of the presence of God. He doesn't pick up and leave. And that's what we've been learning about Paul's words in 1 Thessalonians. It's not coming and so it's not leaving. The word parousia or parousia. It's not the coming of the Lord. It's the presence of God. And when you and I feel that he's absent, that's something in me. That's something in my thoughts. That's my shame. That's my guilt. That's my being aware of sin. All right? More than I am the presence of God. Let's, let's keep reading John chapter 15 and verse 5, the beautiful gospel of John. These are the words of Jesus. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. First John chapter 4 and verse 12. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us. And his love is perfected in us. Look at that. If we love each other, then in essence you have seen God. No one has ever seen God. Now that's an interesting comment. I don't have time to exegete that here this morning, but I thought Moses saw God. I thought Abraham saw God. I thought some of, a number of these Old Testament prophets saw God. I thought Paul saw God. <laughs> All right, well, so we don't want to go there. But here's, here's what he's talking about. No one has ever been able to completely encompass, see, visualize, and embrace with your being all that God is. He's past finding out. But here's, here's the closest you can come to really knowing God and being in his presence face-to-face, -face, loving others. Loving others will bring you as close to God as you can possibly get. And when we don't love, that's when distance begins. Not God's fault, my fault. Acts chapter 17, verse 28, for in him we live and move and have our being. For in him we live and move and have our being. 
I am constantly reminding myself, even when I feel shameful, even when I feel some distance, even when I feel, even when I know I haven't done everything just so, okay? You know, you know, you know when things aren't right. In your marriage, those of you that are married or those of you that have a significant other or you're in a relationship with somebody, it's very intimate and very close and very precious to you. There are times where that relationship grows distant. There's things that I do, attitudes I have where that relationship tends to get distant. I, I feel distant from that other person. But now see, in our relationship with God, that's never because God leaves. That's never because God changes his attitude towards us. All right? He's not absent. He's always present. He said in Hebrews, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Never, 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 the Greek says. So if that's true, then it's things that I do in my relationship. So I'm constantly reminding myself, whenever I have a feeling or a thought that tends to speak to being distant or God's presence is no longer with me, or you know that behavior or that thing you said, boy, God's going to leave you over that. I always remind myself of this passage. In him we live and we move and we have our being. I used to get perturbed. You don't use that word much. Uh, how many of you have used that word in the last 20 years? Perturbed. <laughs> it just came to me. I used to get perturbed when I found myself with a list of things, important things, that I needed to get done that ate into my study time, my preparation time. And these things were important. They had to be done at the only time I had to do them. But they were going to take away from my study and my prayer and my being with Jesus. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm not going to be able to be with Jesus. I'm not going to be able to hear for my lesson. I'm not going to be able to. I won't have the time to pray and get the mind of God and the presence of God for my message. You know what? I've been set free. I've been delivered. You know what I realize? Reading this scripture and the rest of these and dwelling on them and realizing that the presence of God is now, that he cometh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, that Jesus comes and he stays. You know what I realize now? God's with me when I mow the lawn. God's with me when I'm washing the dishes. God's with me when I have to go run some errands. God's with me when I'm walking my little dogs. And in fact, I've received some of my best sermons, some of my greatest spiritual thoughts when I'm out walking my dogs. You know, so I no longer beat myself up over my time. Now, I still count my weekend sacred. I, I still gather during the week and then focus on Friday and Saturday to, to finish and to be ready. I think it's important to be ready, to be prepared. All right. But there's sometimes where I just don't have the same time each week that I did in the previous weeks. And I know, here's what I know, that the presence of Jesus that I live in, I live and I move and I have my being. He doesn't leave me when I mow the lawn, he's right there. Maybe even he turns it up a little bit, if that's possible. I think he just makes me even more aware. Here's what I know, that if I get busy and I don't have the time that I would like, I'm going to get a divine dump. 
Now, some of you need to process that a little because you're laughing at me because you think I was being nasty. Listen to me. There's nothing like a divine dump. I mean, really. Some people call it a, 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 an unload, a download, okay? So if that helps you, okay. All right, I don't want anybody writing me or getting mad at me. For heaven's sake, please don't turn off the broadcast because I said a divine dump. What I mean is this download from heaven, all right? Those of you that are familiar with computers, if you've ever worked with a computer and downloaded information from some source, maybe off of the Internet, or you, you've streamed a movie or something that you needed, you stream it down, to, you know that there, there's speeds with which that can come. And sometimes, depending on the speed of your computer, the, the speed of your Internet connection, the, you know, the, the whether or not everything's good on the other end with their servers and so forth, it affects that, that download. But boy, if everything's right, that download is like flowing through a, through a fire hose. It's just like drinking from a fire hose. Now, I'll, I'll admit that sometimes because my own stinking thinking, my own attitude, and not remembering and, and meditating, 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 and being aware and having contemplative prayer where I'm just quiet before the Lord and, and regurgitating, chewing the cud, it means. That's what the word meditate in Hebrew means. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night, being careful to observe all that is written in it. And then you will make your way prosperous. Then you will have good success. That word meditate there means to chew the cud. I realize that as I am chewing the cud, sometimes that pipe is open, broad, I mean wide open like a fire hose. And sometimes it seems like I'm, 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 I'm trying to suck out of a, a, a garden hose. You know what I mean? Just the, the, one of those soakers. It's not a garden hose. It's actually a soaker. It just has those pinholes in it, you know, and, and it's just it's shooting out a little bit. Has your life seemed like that? Has the presence of the Lord to you seemed like that? Have you been dry? Have you not had enough water? Have you not had enough presence? Have you just not had enough of what you know is available in God? Maybe it's because you have a soaker hose for a mentality. Maybe you have soaker hose theology. Maybe you've had a soaker hose style of walking with the Lord. Well, I want to open you up to have a fire hose of his presence. And how do you do that? You take these great scriptures about in Christ, in him, and you meditate on them. I've given you several today. And I want you to know that as you meditate on them, and as you come to learn that in him we live and move and have our being, that God never leaves, that he's soaking you all day long, regardless of what you're doing, where you're going, where you're at. God is soaking you in his presence. It's only our shame, our guilt, and our fear that keep us from knowing that precious presence of the Lord. You say, what about that I need to sing to get in? I, I need to come into his gates. I need to seek the Lord. Yeah, Old Covenant, Old Testament, no longer applies. Don't you live by that. It no longer applies. Went away, dead, buried, gone. We're unhooked from that. Do-it-yourself religion. Now, I want to give you a caveat regarding this presence of the Lord. You ready? It is perhaps the most common pass outside of John 3.16, where we're going to turn right now, is perhaps the best well-known passage of Scripture on the earth. 
I mean truly, among all peoples. Psalm 23, verse 6. Let's look at it. Psalm 23, verse 6. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Oh, my goodness. All right. Well, I, 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 this might just cause you to go tilt in your spiritual awareness and mind. But I need to tell you something here. Even the presence of evil doesn't affect the presence of God. I've had people tell me, oh, I just can't stand my work condition. I just can't work there any longer. God's not with me when I'm there. People are cussing and people are telling dirty jokes and, and I just the presence of God just lifts. No, it doesn't. That's you. That's up here. God doesn't go nowhere. In fact, he prepares a table for you in the presence of your enemies. I'll go a step further. We live in a time right now in our society that I in all of my years, some 60 plus years, have never lived in before. And many of you can say amen. We've not been this way before. With the pandemic and what's going on financially and uh, what's happened in uh, the scientific and educational realms with our political world in upheaval, and, th and this isn't just the United States. This is global. Obviously, the pandemic was. The, fi the financial issue issues that, that came out of that were, were global. Many of these things, the violence and the racism, uh, systemic racism that, that's in, in the land, all of this, that's, that's not just our country. That, that's global because these things are spirits, all right? They're strongholds. And there's one thing that pulls down strongholds. God's presence. But notice, he doesn't say pray away the evil. He doesn't say get rid of or pray away or expect that if you elect the right president, this is all going to be better. If you just elect the right, if you make the right choice on November 3rd, all this is going to change and go away. No, it's not. Because they're strongholds. Because there is evil in the land. But you know what? For those who are aware, for those who meditate on the word of God, who chew the cud, God prepares a table for you in the presence of your enemies. God and evil are not that separate. Boy, I hope nobody tuned in just for that, and then the like the like the the feed just dropped right now, and they go off, not hearing my explanation for that. God and evil are not all that different in terms of their presence, their ability, okay, and and their effect in our lives. And and I did not say evil has near the power of God, or that evil's equal with God's power. Don't misquote me. Here's what I'm saying. 
Instead of us being preoccupied with having to get rid of everything that we think is negative and evil, and, and before we can experience the Lord, we, we've got to be in a setting that's holy and the right music and the right loudness of the music and the right preaching. And, and if we say the right things, well, then we'll be at the table of the Lord because we've got to get rid of that evil. If we elect the right president, if we elect the right politicians, if we get the right policies in our land, if we do this, if we do that, if we get all of this, then evil. No, evil's going to be there. God's not near as concerned about evil as you are. What he does, he just rolls up and starts putting out a spread right in the presence of your enemies. He puts out a spread and says, come on, let's enjoy ourselves. I'll tell you what, the presence of God, the anointing of God, the love of God, when we really love each other, evil can't stand it. It, does, it, it. it doesn't hold a candle. Evil, nothing going on in society right now, holds a candle to the presence of God, the face-to-face -face with Jesus. And we, listen, we, we manifest that. We demonstrate that. We operate in that by loving each other. That's when God's presence is like he's right there, face to face. Now, you might be saying, Pastor Jeff, this is all well and good. But I know I don't have the faith for this. Or my faith has been weak. Or my life just haven't, hasn't been a testimony the way I've been living. Well, I have a scripture for you. And Jeff, we're just going to jump right down to Philippians chapter 3. Help me out here. Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 9. Now, I want you to take this scripture down. Get, get, get a hold of this scripture here. We're going to, I'm going to show you something that will absolutely change your faith walk if you get a hold of this now. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 9. And be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through the faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith. Now, there are a number of passages of Scripture where we see this phrase, in Faith or the faith, uh, uh, excuse me, faith in. We need to have faith in Christ, faith in Jesus. For instance, Romans chapter 3, verse 20 and 22. Romans chapter 3, verse 26. Galatians chapter 2, verse 16. All of those have this phrase, our faith in Christ. Well, Philippians chapter 3, verse 9, Paul said, it is not we're, we're found in him not by our own righteousness but a righteousness that comes through faith in christ that phrase faith in those two words when those are studied out in the greek what you'll find is it's not faith in but first of all it's faith of the faith of christ god doesn't leave you to yourself god doesn't leave you to your own faith Someone made popular years ago, in fact, books were written, some several teachers 
made popular this phrase that you need to have faith in your faith. Now, I get that. I understand that from the point of being confident that your prayers are being effective, okay, and, and having good, strong faith. I get that. But there's a danger in having faith in your faith. You know what it is? It ain't your faith. It's not your faith to start with, and it's not your faith that brings you closer to or gets the presence of God. It's not your faith that gets you answers to prayer. It is his faith. It's the faith of Jesus. So it's not faith in Christ. It's the faith of Christ. See, that takes the burden off of me. This is an important delineation in the Greek language. Now, watch this. The same word for faith is used for faithfulness. If you take any of the passages that talk about having faith in Christ and you make that the faithfulness of Christ, Scripture will come alive for you. I mean something will go off on the inside of you and light you up with a thousand volts of electricity, spiritual faith and spiritual electricity. It's not my faith. I'm not righteous because of what I've done. I'm righteous because of his faithfulness to make me righteous. He doesn't answer my prayers because I'm good enough or I've done the right moral things in the list. He blesses me because he's a faithful God, a good, good father. It's his faithfulness. So in him we live and we move and we have our being. We're going to close this beautiful Labor Day service with a Labor Day prayer. And just before, and it's a responsive prayer, so it's a responsive reading. Before we pray the prayer, I want you to watch this short video regarding this important day of rest and celebration. God, the earth, the moon, the sun, the stars, the oceans, the mountains, the trees that grow beside the waters, the animals that come to the stream to drink. It's all your work. You have created it. You gave us the sun which marks the days and the moon that marks the months. It all fits together like the workings of a clock. Then you gave us the ability to care for it all. You gave us the chance to care for each other. There is so much work to do, God. Help us to remember we do the work for you. If we cook, let us cook as though your son will be a guest at the table. If we paint, let us paint as though the picture will hang in your house. If we clean, let us clean as if your angels are coming to our home to dance. We will keep you in mind, God, in all things, in all we do. When we labor and when we rest, you created and you took a break. We will take this day and stop. We will breathe. We will appreciate the gifts you have given us. Our hands, our feet, our minds, our hearts. We will look around and see our lives as a gift. We will be grateful for the jobs we have. We will pray for those who cannot find work. We will reach out a hand to help those who cannot help themselves. We will be grateful for this day, this moment set aside to say thank you to the one who began a good work 
and continues that work in us. Amen. When I first saw that video, there's precious, precious words to that video. I was mindful of the passage that we read earlier in Acts chapter 17. In him we live and we move and we have our being. Join me for this uh, time of prayer. And if we could get this in the sanctuary so that all of us could pray it together, please, uh, uh, media team, we're going to... Uh, have a responsive reading. So what you'll see on the slide that's going to come up for you here is you'll see the words that I'm going to read are in white. And then the words that I want you to repeat in response are in yellow. Are we ready? God Almighty, architect of our universe, who continues to work moment by moment to sustain your glorious creation, and who invites us to be co-creators with you, we give you thanks for the work you give each of us to do and the enrichment we find through working for your purposes and not for our own selfish desires. We give you thanks and praise. Bless those, using bless those unsung heroes whose unseen and unrewarded labor eases our lives. Bless those who work for the sake of people that they will never see. May we always be mindful of their hard work and sacrifice and be grateful for their diligence. For their, unfaithful, for their faithful service, we give you thanks. For those who, who, whose labor is forced without rest or freedom or dignity, and those who are prevented by their disabilities, whether of body or mind, and by their society because of their color or creed from finding meaningful work. We ask you for your merciful blessing. For those who risk life and suffer hardship, especially in pandemics, fire, flood, or disaster, to accomplish their work, for those who seek labor and find none, we ask you for your protection. For those whose work is demeaning, whose conditions are poor, whose pay is unfair, and for those who are coerced, endangered, enslaved, exploited, or abused, we pray for justice. We give you thanks for all those who labor and find joy in their work, and we pray that all may know the blessing of your Sabbath and that you give them rest. Everybody together now, Holy One, you who labor for our life, bless our work, that it may serve you and the mending of the world. Amen. May God, this special weekend of Labor Day, give you rest, and especially as you come into a new understanding of your face-to-face -face presence with him through his faith and not even your own. God bless you. Have a great week. We'll see you next weekend. What gift of love could I offer to a king? What weight or worth could be held within my offering? 
inscribed upon my heart This treasure held in an alabaster jar I break to bring him all the glory Praise God from whom all Sacrifice could be equal to his own The cross of Christ has declared that there is naught I owe Yet I know I owe him more Praise God from whom I'm